welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and today I am joined by a really awesome author whose book was absolutely incredible. Um, as you all know, I had a favorite book from Llewellyn that um, was held by Australia Taylor. This one has stolen the title, and that one is The Magic <laughs> of the Otherworld, Modern Sorcery from the Wellspring of Celtic Traditions by Morpheus Ravina? Ravana? Rav Ravenna. Ravenna. Okay. See, I'm terrible with last names. I butcher everybody's. Don't feel bad. You're, you're in no, good no, company. You're being butchered. <laughs> but the book was absolutely incredible. I devoured the audiobook in probably like five hours because I listened to audiobooks really quickly. Um, but it was so, so good. So much amazing information and just a wealth of like celtic history that i didn't even i was so unfamiliar with so much of it and i'm just so glad that it was in there even though obviously celtic history you know we'll talk about this here in a few but um has been tainted by christianity because you know it was all oral traditions but mm -hmm. just oh it was such a good book oh my god so everybody, thank you so much <laughs> shameless plug time go buy the book if you can't afford the book go to your local library request a copy if they can't don't have a copy they will either get one from another library or they will buy a copy, but either way, it still helps support the author. And yeah, just go go read the book, please. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of just dive into why did you write the book? Like, obviously, there's oh, books out there about Celtic traditions, um, and they you know touch on a few things, but. This one was wholly unique in so many ways, but kind of where did your inspiration for this come from? Yeah, well, you know, um, I've been I've been practicing for a few decades now and like, you know, developing a a mode of approaching magic um, and sorcery that fits within a Celtic polytheist kind of a worldview and spiritual paradigm. And um, that seemed to be something that um, there was a lot of interest in. And so like folks around me in my, you know, social circles and community kept asking me like, can you, can you teach some of this material? <laughs> um, I put a little bit of it into my first book, which is a book on the Morrigan, um, the book of the great queen. Um, and, uh, you know, that book is really about the Morrigan and her, you know, myths and the history of, of you know, where she comes from. And um, I did include a chapter on sorcery because she herself is a sorcerer, mm -hmm. you know, like in her inner myths and legends and and whatnot. And so I, I included a chapter with a, like some tidbits. And um, every time I would be speaking about the book or talking to people, they'd be like, this chapter we want more of this we want more of this when are you going to write a whole book about this <laughs> <laughs> um and i was also i was getting requests for like teaching people how to curse <laughs> um because i you know i had i guess participated in a few like you know justice cursing kind of projects and um and so pe i was also getting those requests like can you can you teach me how to do this and and i thought well i i don't want to teach cursing without contextualizing it with all of the you know safety kind mm -hmm. of stuff that you need yeah. to do that well and to do it safely and you know so like this needs to come as a package <laughs> um 
yeah so i started i started offering um some intensives where it would be like a weekend long intensive and i would be able to give people kind of the building blocks of creating a magical practice um in in this kind of a mode and and i realized that that material you know was was the the foundations of a book yeah that's how it that's how it came about <laughs> well it works out beautifully the way that it does and it's interesting because you know everybody's like i want to curse i want to curse like i want to curse and, i know <laughs> you know i'm like can you learn the basics before you do that please thank you <laughs> hey yeah i mean it's like it's you know cursing is part of folk magic yes absolutely uh, worldwide. it's something that anyone can do but it is also kind of a specialist thing like um anyone can but you can also get yourself into some messes um definitely mm -hmm. i mean I, I feel like there's like more heat than light in a lot of the um discourse and dialogue that you see about about cursing and baneful magic because you know there is a lot of fear about it you know people have a lot of fear and and you'll you'll hear kind of these tropes like oh well you shouldn't do that because it's bound to come back on you um or you know it, whatever you whatever you put out there you're going to receive back um and uh i i i think a lot of that is is mostly fear driven it is um yeah. i you absolutely can use baneful magic safely but you know you got to learn some some technique and some skills and and kind of have the building blocks you know have your safeguards have your protective spirits have a lot of like really deep relationships in the spirit world that are going to support you mm -hmm. it's it's not a beginner practice <laughs> no it is definitely um, not a beginner practice and that was kind of one of the things i also loved about this book is this book doesn't feel like a beginner's book which i love because you know obviously during the show for almost four years now i think i've read all the beginner books uh -huh. <laughs> i've read so many don't get me wrong there's so many more voices that can write those beginner books and obviously they're going to help people that need them i'm not you know saying beginner books are not necessary they absolutely are and everybody should read as much as you feel comfortable and feel like you need to um at least read one you know basics again but yeah. I love the fact that your book does talk a little bit about some of those basics, but mostly it goes into the really deeper works that we don't see in a lot of traditional uh, witchcraft books, which is great. And it's awesome the way that you formatted the whole book. And um, I loved all the spirit work because we do a lot of spirit work, obviously, mm -hmm. working with the Morgan. Um, but this is it had so much great information about working with spirits and the different allies and the different beings that are out there and how you can work with them and also yeah. how to protect yourself that that's an important thing like obviously yes if you're going to do the work you need to know how to protect yourself because some things don't always have your best interest at heart yeah i mean my goal was kind of like to put tools in people's hands um and and I, my hope was that there'd be something for everybody, you know, like I, I really wanted to put some of the basic building blocks in there for people that might be newer to, to creating a magical practice. Um, but I also, I didn't want to stop there with the basics. I wanted to kind of get into the, some of the more exciting, risky, experimental stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so my hope was that there'd be something in it for everybody. <laughs> There um, definitely is, especially if you, you're interested in the, 
kind of Celtic versions of uh, witchcraft. It definitely has yeah. something that's there for everybody, which is really awesome. Um, now, obviously, in the book, you kind of, especially in the conclusion, you talk about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of other magical practices that you leave out because those are not within your personal wellspring and your personal, yeah. you know, practice, which is fine. And that's why we have other voices out there that are able to teach those aspects. And, you know, I, I obviously this show talks about lots of different voices and we have a lot of different voices on here. But that's also because I want to highlight that there's so many different voices that will cater to individuals that need them versus mm -hmm. just listening to one singular voice that's going to be, you know, that, that starts kind of getting a little culty at that point. And, you know, having a well-rounded kind of outlook on witchcraft is the best way, in my opinion, to have. Mm -hmm. So... Um, now, I also loved the fact that you really did touch a lot on the cultural appropriations of how some of yeah. the things <laughs> were not always belonging to this kind of area or belonging to witchcraft. They belong to other cultures and those kinds of things. Um, I really loved how you kind of gently kind of nudged people and said, nope, we have to do better. We cannot do this. I yeah, that. that's important <laughs> to me to kind of strive to do right by... Um, you know the the people that we <laughs> coexist with on on this earth and and you know as a um european descended person in turtle island north america um you know i'm i'm very cognizant all the time of of existing as part of a settler civilization that has you know stolen this land and um you know like a good friend of mine, Elena Rose, says, you know, there's no clean thing. Like, you, you can't really escape dealing with that. No. Um, but we can do our best to kind of make every step available to us into right relationship mm -hmm. um, and, and, and try to be better than, you know, maybe our ancestors were. <laughs> I um, hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's important to me. I, I don't ever want I, I try never to say that I am doing right, but I try to always say that I'm striving to do better because <laughs> uh, there's always there's always more I can learn about that. I think that's a really important kind of topic, especially as, you know, especially if you're new to the show and you're a new listener and you're new to witchcraft, make sure you're really making sure you're checking those sources to make sure yeah, they are being proactive in that kind of aspect as well. Because sometimes people do cross over the boundaries and we shouldn't do yeah. that. We have to do better. And, you know, it gets complicated with, um, you know, traditions relating to Celtic or Gaelic identity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as an American, my relationship to that is complex, too. You know, like, I I try to learn from living voices and, and you know, people that are of those cultures as much as possible. Um because I, I don't think that, you know, just having um, ancestry from those cultures really gives you a right to, to, um, to speak for them, you mm -hmm. know, unless you're in relationship with that as a living culture. Um, and, and so it's sort of this complex, <laughs> being American is complicated. <laughs> it is very complicated in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, though, because, like, we always try to do better as Americans, but sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. mean, there's a lot of us that are like, okay, we're trying. We're really trying, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the other thing I really liked about your book is it also talks a lot about activism and mm -hmm. how important working magic into activism can be and yeah. bringing about, you know, also healing for a lot of, you know, like you were talking about in the necromancy chapter about um, healing for the dead and kind of being yeah. a part of those activism things to kind of heal the traumas they may have endured during their lifetime when they were alive or how they died from. And yeah, or just, just to know that, that, that what they went through has not been forgotten, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was just absolutely brilliant. I also love that you included a chapter on necromancy. Like, just, <laughs> I, I, I'm a death worker, so, like, just, okay. wow, yeah. I loved it. I was like, oh, yes. Because <laughs> it's not well talked. Like, it is talked about, but it's not well talked about. And I feel like your book really, or at least your chapter on it, went fairly deep into it. Um, obviously it could go much deeper, um, but I feel like it went yeah. really deep into it and you offered so many great practices to help with that, especially if somebody is interested in that, gave them a really great starting point. So that was just superb chef's kiss. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You know, it feels important. I think, um, you know, for, for, for traditional cultures, ancestral practices, ancestor veneration tends to be important. Um, so it's like a, it's sort of an ever-present piece in in whatever kind of magic and spirituality we're practicing. There's there's a, a a space for that um, that is really powerful and and it's something that connects us kind of throughout time. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and um, I feel like you know when you talk about necromancy, like the the more easy to access stuff is is mostly from a like ceremonial perspective right yeah um and so yeah I really wanted to kind of fill a gap like hey you know there's a lot of amazing material contained within these traditions you know within these sort of streams of culture um from the you know Gaelic and Celtic um roots <laughs> and and it was just a matter of kind of like delving into that and 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 shaping something that that I felt would be helpful in uh in a contemporary practice so yeah it's it's kind of just like my approach to this stuff is is very experimental <laughs> um it's still brilliant it's still awesome so <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> i highly support this like go buy the book please because it's awesome <laughs> um no it really is truthfully um because you really do bring a new voice and a new perspective on traditional magics that you know obviously have been quite around around for a while but you encompassed so much into them and obviously so much research into them the research was just astounding and beautiful um, thanks <laughs> but there was so much in it that you were able to bring into it and then obviously highlighting those moments of your own practice and how that impacted you and obviously the spirits and the people that you were working with were just it, it was just awesome and it was just in such a great way that you were able to highlight those aspects to bring something new to the discussion of witchcraft yeah that's that's what I tried to do so I'm I'm glad to hear that um that that's successful yes it was highly successful <laughs> um, now kind of moving a little bit more into the mundane stuff um two questions one did you yeah. do all the artwork for the book 
Um, yeah, so the designs, the line art um, interior and on the cover, that's my artwork, but the graphic design was the Llewellyn team. So what you see is kind of a combination of their graphic design expertise and some of my um, my art beautiful oh my god thanks like it, honestly i was looking through some of these pages and i'm like i don't have enough money to go get one of these tattooed on me i don't have the money to go get a tattoo right now i don't <laughs> yeah well you know i'm an artist before i'm an author um and uh and so when i was developing these practices one of the things that i was working with was creating sigils for the different you know spirits that felt important to this work um, and then I created, you know, artwork to kind of illustrate that each of those spirits with their sigil and kind of create a, um, a portrait of, of their presence. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what made the, its way into the book is like those, those sigil artworks. Um, it's just, you know, it's something that I do. They're <laughs> absolutely like beautiful. My, my magical practice doesn't isn't very separated from my art practice <laughs> i mean that's okay though like i we have yeah. several people that i know that um they incorporate a lot of their magical practices um even some divination and stuff into like abstract art and mm, bring those kinds of aspects cool. into it so yeah uh like they'll just kind of trance out and then just abstract art and they're just like oh what did i paint and you see all the different like things come through in the painting oh like automatic writing almost but... like automatic writing but it's automatic painting Ooh, that's and that's amazing that sounds so really... cool so so cool um rich. and the, the artist who does it she does such a beautiful job of it that it's just like wow um also to the artist who is listening to this hi jenny your your art is awesome so <laughs> <laughs> i love it but yeah she does beautiful art that's associated with trans work and um especially mediumship work which uh, she'll get those spiritual divine messages and put them onto canvas. And uh, interestingly enough, too, she doesn't use paintbrushes. She uses mm. like crystals and like different things like that to actually mm -hmm. create this the imagery and the art. It's just it's such what a, a unique cool practice. Aspect. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, super cool. Uh, kind of segueing through the art, you're also a tattoo artist, aren't you? I am. Yes, yes. Um, that's kind of my my bread and butter day job. You know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I mean, it's like maybe a misnomer to call it a day job because that implies it's not where your heart is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and and I I love, love. <laughs> yeah, I love my tattoo work. I you know I do blend it with magic and and spirituality, and so one of the things that I do is is ritual tattooing um yeah so that's cool though like so what is ritual tattoo art kind of encompass like it let's say that you had somebody come in and be like hey i would like to get a ritual tattoo like what would that look like for yeah um it can awesome. look different <laughs> ways for different people but um you know often i mean it begins when we are planning their tattoo so like if it's a devotional piece for a god or a spirit or if it is um, oriented around, you know, a magical um, need or intention, like when we're consulting about it, um, sometimes I'll use divination or um, meditative practices to kind of listen to the various spirits or powers or gods that are connected to the person and, and help have that like guide the design of the tattoo. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and then for a ritual tattoo session, um, you know, it, it starts with um, setting the space, um, my workspace, like, you know, 
I cleanse and do protections and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll usually start with prayers and offerings. Um, I do prayers and offerings to the spirits of my craft. So, you know, basically all those people going back through the many, many generations who practiced tattooing before me, going back into the, you know, very ancient periods. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to honor them and kind of ask for their support. Um, and then we'll do prayers and offerings to, you know, other gods and spirits that might be relevant to that person. Um, uh, and to those that are kind of protecting my space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, it varies. Like sometimes I might take a consecrated oil or some of the offering liquids and like trace the shape of the the tattoo that they're about to get onto the skin before I prep it for the tattoo so that it's oh, that kind be of neat. being inscribed ritually before it is tattooed and ink um That's yeah cool. and then you know they might they might bring sacred objects with them to hold while they're being tattooed um we might choose music that you know helps hold the space and and keep them feeling close to their spirits or their gods that are with them yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of ways it can look but that that's that's sort of maybe um a a a frequent like what a what a what a tat a ritual tattoo session might frequently look like <laughs> that sounds awesome and yeah. i wish that we lived closer because i would totally come to your shop and get one done yeah <laughs> but i live across it's, the it's country. a beautiful thing yeah it's a beautiful thing um sometimes like it can be really really magical i i just did a piece for um one of my oldest friends who's a hecate priestess and um so you know we started with offerings and we um we did an an incantation together for hecate to sort of like really bring her into the space um before we we started tattooing and and uh yeah it, it can be really deep that's so um, it awesome. doesn't have to be but but there's a lot there's potential for like really transformative um moments with that have you ever had um not this question is too personal you don't have to answer but um have you ever had like any spirits come through in the middle of a session like wanting to yeah. like, communicate <laughs> through like one or both of you uh, you know as the session is taking place yeah it has happened sometimes like um you know, there's a, there's a thing where I am, when I'm tattooing somebody in a ritual context, I'm in a sense like being a conduit for their spirits to right. sort of come through my hands, through my machine, into the skin. Um, and so sometimes as that connection is flowing, I'll hear messages. Um, and I always, you know, ask for consent before sharing that. Cause of course. Yeah, because consent is key. <laughs> but but you know that's often like a really, um, that can be a really valuable thing. Um, I've also had funny things happen, like um, when I was like putting out the ink colors for um for a piece that was tied to um a set of spir- spirits <clears throat> that this person was was having inscribed on them, like I was doing a portrait of this group of spirits that they are close to Mm -hmm. 
and I was putting the colors out in my little ink caps and I kept like knocking them over and spilling the ink like more than once I oh my like was trying to blend this ink and then just like kept knocking the color over and I'm like what is going on and then we realized that they wanted a different approach to the color oh okay <laughs> gonna say that sounds like something loki would do but loki <laughs> i mean they they were yeah they were some playful about that kind of stuff <laughs> they were playful a playful kind of mischievous bunch of spirits and they were just making their voice heard like no you need to it was it, yeah they, they wanted it to i think it, it was a bunch of years ago but i think they wanted it more fiery and or something like i needed to take a different approach to the color than than I was doing and so that was their way of kind of getting my attention I was like blending the wrong color and <laughs> oh that's so funny I love that though I think that's so awesome that that happens and it's so fun how you know um magic and like spiritual communication those kinds of things can come through something you know as mundane as like tattooing yeah so... I mean that's the thing right like and it's with magic in general um and any kind of spirit work like you kind of have to keep your mind open for the way that they communicate and sometimes it's through means that we're not expecting mm -hmm. um but if you are paying attention you might be able to pick up on that like oh why is this happening why does this keep happening oh it's you know they're, they're trying to tell me something um that's yeah. super cool though that is really really cool so obviously um kind of bringing it back to the magic stuff so you also work with the morgan and yes. all that now, are you just a dedicated of hers? Are you a priestess? Yeah, um, I have an oath and I serve as a priest. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a dedicant and a priest and a devotee. I love it. I love it so much. Um, she's kind of the center of my spiritual world. Yeah. She is just one of those deities that's just so all-encompassing in such a beautiful yeah. way. And yeah. Like the artwork that you um, put in the book towards um, Bibed was just uh -huh. incredible. Like I, I remember flipping through the book originally and I looked at it and I was like, what is this? And then I read the caption underneath and I'm like, this is incredible. Like so wow. <laughs> jaw dropping awesome and it, like yeah you, you can almost I think feel vibed over my the, shoulder um, going yep that's really yeah. I like that. That, that's good that's good they did yeah that. yeah so that's a portrait of the biva who are like the the spirits that run with bive um they're they're sort of like little bives yes versions of her um yeah so, they're, they're so described awesome. in a lot of irish literature as sort of these crow crow beings that, that flit like over battlefields yeah they kind of have that vibe yeah um, they're, they're almost like harpies but not like in like a true harpy sense but like just almost there it's like a cross between mm -hmm. like a crow and a harpy and just yeah it's just so good oh my gosh <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah i feel close to those kind of beings um and uh and i love drawing them <laughs> i would imagine i mean it, it shows in the artwork how much time and dedication and obviously spiritual connection you have to all the different art pieces because they come through and like you know when you're looking through the the physical copy of the book which don't get me wrong the digital copy the, the physical copy the audible copy the audible copy is great also just for listening people who like their books on audio it's fantastic but the physical copy when you're looking at the artwork it almost comes off the page and not in a, like a bad way but it, like it comes off the page and like 
it has almost that spiritual essence to it when you just look mm-hmm. at it. And, you know, maybe me also being an artist and just kind of like looking at art and appreciating art, maybe that's why it does for me. But yeah, <laughs> it was just one of those No, I mean, that's the like, intentional. So that's, the in- that's the intention of it. They're sigil designs. And so they are meant to be magically active. Um, they The originals of those were um, paintings that I did in ink oh, wow. and watercolor on vellum. Um, which is a medium that I really love to work with because it feels very alive. You know, it's it's preserved skin, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it it just like has like a a translucency and like a, a an aliveness to it that mm-hmm. I love. It sort of seems to have light come through it a little bit. Um, but of course, for the book, um, I rendered them as as black line drawings um, oh well yeah of course because you have yeah. to because you know print books are expensive to publish so yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're expensive especially in color so um but now the the art that's in the book do you have like prints that you sell that if somebody wanted to buy some of those yeah i do have i i have um prints on my uh there's a link on my website so mm-hmm. i have um art prints through um a platform called imprint love it I love imprint. Um, and uh, I think that the paintings that origin that that uh, were rendered to in line art for the book are on my imprint, um, but I'll have to check. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but yeah, I do I do offer prints of my work in general. Yeah, perfect. Now, um, obviously, you've written two books now, with including this one. Uh, do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want to tease everybody about or can tease everybody? Yeah, about? well, I actually have a third book that also came out this year that is, um, it's called Litany of the Morigna. Um, okay. It's kind of a nice companion to the book of the Great Queen. It is um, a litany of a hundred names and epithets of Love the it. Morrigan and her sisters that, you know, I kind of collected out of the Irish literature and composed them into this liturgical, it's like a liturgical poem, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the book is like that hundred names and then commentary for each one that talks about like where that epithet came from, what piece of literature it's in, what its translation is what it tells us about um the morrigan and her sisters so it's like a nice um companion book and that came out this year from um concrescent press who's my other publisher very nice Um, yeah and then my new project um i'm working on two things one is a oracle deck based on um irish hero stories so you know finn colin cormac um Scotha, kind of these you know great like warrior hero characters and the and the um beautiful epic intense stories that surround them um yes. so i'm working on an oracle deck project with my friend izzy swanson um i'm doing the art for that i love and it and then um my next writing project is a book on ritual tattoo oh that's gonna be awesome yeah, so that's just like in the early stages. It'll be a few years yet on that, that one. That's totally fair. <laughs> we'll just keep an eye out for it. But yeah, but I've been really excited about that. So, you know, obviously, as somebody yeah. with tattoos and love them, and you know, you can't just have just one tattoo. Never. I have three, and 
I'm constantly wanting yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> Always wanting more ink. <laughs> same, same. It's so true. And it, it's funny because currently right now my son is actually off getting his spiritual tattoo. The fifth session done. He, he's getting full mm-hmm. sleeve done. It's um, got like all the Norse Wonderful. imagery on it. And it's, just, oh, it's so good. Like I... I'm just astonished at how good his tattoo artist is. Listen, if you know of a tattoo artist that does like a spiritual approach, ritual approach to tattooing, send me their information because people ask me all the time, like, oh, hey, I can't come out to California to get a ritual tattoo from you, but can you recommend someone to me that can do that? I don't know ritual per se, but he (laughs) does do that. He did, because my son got, he has... I believe it's a Valkyrie on one side of the forearm, and then the other side is Odin's wolves, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. And then it goes up, and it has, like, the roots of Yggdrasil, and uh-huh. then Yggdrasil at the top. And then there's some other yeah. stuff that he's going to be working through, and there's going to be ruins um, in between all of them. Wow, sounds beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Like, every time he comes back, I'm just like, how what really (laughs) and um his tattoo artist actually went um to a tattoo competition in nashville and my Mm -hmm. son got to go and be like his i guess oh to show the work yeah Yeah, that's great and they did a session there so that was really interesting and cool so nice um but yeah it's it's just absolutely stunning work so like i said i don't know if his stuff is particularly ritual but he does do that kind of themed work so um, and it's spiritually important for your son is what you're saying uh sort of my son doesn't really like he's not big into talking about his practice if he does practice so you know we just kind of let our kids choose what they would like to do sure sure as long as they're good humans and are respectable to everyone else in other cultures we don't really mind where they go with it so yeah Whereas me and my husband are like proudly, firmly pagan. <laughs> but yeah, we try to teach our, our kids about all the different cultures so that way they can make an informed decision as adults of yeah. what they would like to do with their lives. It's a good approach. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now finally, one question that's a little heavy that I would like to ask um, is, okay. you know, obviously we're in a time period where there is a lot of war and horrible things happening and you do have a chapter in your book about war magic what are your thoughts about those kinds of aspects especially in the time period that we're living in and what we're all currently going through you know how, how does the magic apply to the current time period in your your eyes yeah well um you know one thing i would say is that it's it's really important to stay focused on um what your sort of sphere of influence should be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I don't necessarily recommend people go tearing off and throwing magic at, you know, world conflicts that they don't have a stake in or um, don't know enough about. <laughs> um, so when I wrote about war magic for this book, you know, for me, like, how I use that is to support my activism, right? And so these are like tools that I apply to struggles I am already involved in, social justice, you know, activism and protest and and street action kind of work, um, supporting people um, who are part of collective action in some way. And I think it's really important that um, 
and I talk about this a little bit in the book, it's like if you're getting involved in magical collective action in conflict magic, it's it's really important that you position yourself in a place of solidarity with those mm-hmm. who most need it and those who are most have the most at stake. Yes. So, you know, like, do I recommend random Americans start throwing spells at Palestine or the or Ukraine or you know someplace else where there's conflict going on not unless you already are connected with you know people that are directly impacted by that um I think it's 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 far more effective to focus on a on where you are and where your solidarity can have most impact mm-hmm. um and you know, so like as Americans, we can do a lot to be responsible for how American money gets used to fuel these wars exactly. and mm-hmm. destruction and, you know, frankly, genocide. Um, like Americans have a lot of responsibility for that. We do. We um, have a lot. That so, you know, our activism can one that's one of the places our activism can focus and, you know, magical action can support that. And so, like, for, for me, I think it's 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 important to orient ourselves around, like, what is my role in the world? What is my impact in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I how can I make that impact positive, you know, as positive as possible? Um, what you know? who's got power, who doesn't have power, who needs my solidarity and what kind of magical action can I take to, you know, support that solidarity. So that's the approach that I kind of try to take. I think that's a really valid approach because it's always hard, especially with like, you know, as you were saying, like international conflict to know truly where, where you could help almost because Mm -hmm you're not there you're not seeing you're seeing it through a third party essentially you know the news or you know somebody who a journalist who's tiktoking or whatever it may be yeah and it takes a lot to like you know really get informed enough to know what's going on and and it takes a lot to frankly like to 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 be able to have any kind of an impact magically on something that complex right um yeah you know, so like I think it's it's more effective to focus your magical action on where your power lies. You know, mm-hmm. so like in what way, you know, what are your what are your avenues of influence and impact in the world? Like where where can you have an impact um, and focus it there? I think that's a, a really kind of wise decision, especially because obviously you know we can't Americans can't go there to you know stop the problem or fix the problem. It, civilian regular americans cannot go do that that's not something that's within our wheelhouse or our power right now um right but working to make sure that our politicians know and understand Mm -hmm. that this is something that needs to not be happening that we need to also not really be super involved in but kind of making sure that all those kinds of things are involved but that's a whole nother thing we can totally talk forever about (laughs) but uh that being said i think that having those kind of aspects and understanding the activism behind it and where your magic can help that activism is always a good idea yeah yeah so this ultimately like it's meant to be a tool for 
for lifting people up and, and, yes, I, and absolutely. I hope that that's how people will use it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that it's just magic can be used in so many amazing ways. And, you know, kind of talking a little bit, bringing it full circle back to the beginning when you were talking about curses yeah. and all that. <laughs> Obviously, you could curse somebody and heck somebody. But if you don't really understand the basics behind that or really understand the depth and magnitude of that, that can also not be as beneficial either. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's good to start small and build up. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this interview has been absolutely awesome. You're going to have to come back, especially when the Oracle deck and the other book come out. And we're going to talk all about those um, because they're going to be just as amazing. If based off of this book and all of your other work, it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for your tattoo book. That's going to be so cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for that. Um, well, we'll thank have to come you back so and much. About it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great to chat with you. It's been so awesome. So everybody who's listening, thank you, A, so much for listening. And B, go pick up a copy of Morpheus's book. Make sure you really dive deep into it because there's so much information in it that it just can impact everybody in such a positive and amazing way. And there's so much you can get out of the book. Um, like literally my mind was blown reading this book. I loved it. So <laughs> go pick up a copy. Like I said, at the start of the interview, if you can't afford a copy, check with your local library and make sure that they have a copy or can request a copy, um, and read the book. And then when you get done reading the book, go review it because that helps your authors more than yes, you know. Yes, please. <laughs> it makes a big difference. So it thank does. you for saying so. <laughs> Um, but everyone take care of yourselves be kind to each other and stay safe we'll talk soon bye everyone